Welcome, everybody. Uh, we're finally going to get this thing started. Um, I was just waiting for a train to pass. So if, if you happen to if you happen to hear me uh, hear some loud rumbling, it could still be a train. Uh, but welcome from the great state of Iowa. My name is Nate. Uh, one of your co-hosts today. Uh, I am with Structurally. Uh, we're really excited to kick off our conversations with the top ISA series. Uh, so we're this is the first episode. Um, Kind of, kind of starting it off right with uh, one of the best in the country. Um, this will be a, a seven-part, seven-part series with some of the top ISAs in the country. Myself and Robbie uh, with Hatch Coaching will be interviewing them. Uh, you can catch all of these on um, our YouTube channel. We'll be recording them, so you'll be able to catch up on them at any point afterwards. Uh, and they'll also be available on Real Estate ISA Radio. So. We're really excited to get this one kicked off today. Robbie, tell us who we got here. Awesome. Well, again, Robbie T here with, with Hatch Coaching. And uh, uh, I want to start a fight with you real quick, Nate. You had said one of the best. And I'm going to say uh, we wanted to do this series right by bringing the best um, to the table. And we got the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Jim Rentro. I call him Jimmy. I probably make a nickname up for you every other day, and I'm sorry for it. Um, I, I just want to tell you guys a little bit about Jim before we get into the ISA stuff. Stud Pro, yes, Stud Pro. <laughs> um, I, I had the pleasure of, of being an ISA alongside Jim, and uh, Jim isn't just a, a top producing ISA. He, he's this guy with a massive heart, too big a heart sometimes. And uh, <laughs> we've had to call you on that. Um, but Jim is truly one of the best people I know. And uh, I, I'm so excited for today because you guys get to hear from his mouth, his approach, um, what he thinks of this ISA role, how he's been successful. We've got a great list of questions for, for all of you and, and ones that we've created. Um, but before we get into that, uh, I always like to start with numbers. <laughs> so uh, we're going to start with this, Jim. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your numbers. You started as an ISA how long ago? And just yeah. So I started crazy numbers that I know are stupid. So. I think July 17th was my, uh, my freedom day, as I call it, the day I came over and, and started over here. So <clears throat> since then... Um, 331,600 dials, about 43,000 emails have sent, 49,000 texts. Uh, that's since the emails and texts have been since we started tracking, which was what, Robbie, 2016, I think, when we started tracking those numbers. So, um, yeah, I think I roughly have spoke yeah. to about 18,000 people. And have set 1,718 appointments, and I have 706 closings as of right now. Uh, I popped into CTE and checked it out right before this. Um, mm -hmm. So my volume is about 155 million um, since I started. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing all right. So, You're yeah, I mean, my. <laughs> So, yeah. okay, Jim, you lumped a lot in there. So let's let's just make sure everybody heard that. So I'm just going to ask directly, and I want you to tell me roughly how many calls have you brought in? Mm -hmm. 330,000. Right. How many rough contacts, give or take? Uh, 18,000. And how many appointments? A little over. Se 700-some yep. 700 closings, correct? Okay. You, you, you're like 
yeah, a, a real estate team and of it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that. So I, I want to start here. I want to start very 10,000 foot view with, with this today. Um, what do you view your role as, right? You're an ISA and, and an ISA is just an inside sales agent, but what the heck does that mean to you, Jim? What is your role on a team? How do you describe it? What are you doing every day? Yes, what does ISA I struggle with this because the industry looks at ISA as kind of the starting point and the lowliest of the lowly. And the way I look at ISA is I'm basically the coal in the steam engine, right? Um, If I don't put the coal in, this train doesn't go anywhere. Nobody's dreams come true. So while that's a lot of pressure, uh, it's also really liberating because whatever I do has impact. And that's the reason I came to this job is the ISA is the impact person. Um, it is who drives the ship. It is who makes this whole thing work. Um, you know, Eric and I have talked and it's a description too of, uh, we're the insurance policy on the database. We're the insurance policy on the money spent. Um, but really the way I look at it is, is we're the coal that makes this whole thing work. I love it, Jim. That's uh, that's a great analogy. And we've talked a lot about insurance policy. What the heck does that mean? I think we all understand that you guys are really the engine, the steam engine. You're putting that coal in and making the whole machine work. But when you say yeah, insurance so I mean, when I, policy, when I talk about that, that I mean, most leads that people go after in their system are called twice. That's it. Uh, I think our record, I think, I think Cody actually just broke our record. I think he broke it. And I think it was 383 attempts before he got in touch with someone. Um, we're basically there in order to pick up the phone and make sure that these people are talked to. Um, the other thing is, you know, a couple times a year, I'll go through and I'll play what's called the resurrection game in the database. Um, so I did this the other day. I think Cody had posted a, a blog mm-hmm. article on it and we had talked about it. Um, I just go through the database a couple of times a year for people that have said no. And I see, hey, is it still no? And so I did this the other day, sent out 1,900 texts. um, And basically 38 people that had previously told me no are now ready to buy. And so really what I do is I go through even the crap, shovel it, Mm. and find, find the little pieces of gold. I, uh, I think that 10% number, the resurrection game, is a really funny number. Because um, you said you, you uh, reached out to how many total people during that again? 371. And out of that 371, oh, I had 38 follow-ups that Perfect. are ready. And I also set two appointments right away out awesome. of that. So, so just, just from sending out a mass attempt, got a couple appointments out of it. Mm. So the insurance policy really means this is what I'm hearing you say, Jim, is you guys do everything you can to reach out to these leads and have conversations. It's not just you call once, twice, maybe shoot one off text. Uh, even when people tell you no, yep. you're eventually going to follow up and attempt to convert them again. Because we all know just because of no now doesn't mean that they're going to be a no forever. Yeah. And that's what you're, just, you're getting with the resurrection. You know, I, I think say, I Jim? count about 25 times where someone has literally told me no almost. And someone has told me to F off even and literally have called me back 10 minutes later and said, Hey, I was just really upset. You caught me in the moment. I do want to talk. Here's what's going on. And so even, even when you hear no, especially in today's society, no one wants to talk right now. Nobody, 
can talk. They're, everybody's busy. So you mm. hear no and you think, oh, they, they're not serious. No just means like, hey, you caught me at a bad time usually. Mm. So for yep. you, no is oftentimes not, not exactly. just no, it's not yet. I love it. Awesome. So that's great, Jim. And now that we've established that you're a terrible eye saying you have no clue what you're doing. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, I would love for you to share a little bit um, about what your conversations actually sound like. Um, we know that you, you're you taking these proactive measures to generate these conversations, and we can probably get into that later again. But what the heck do your conversations with leads, with people, actually sound yeah, like? Yeah, I mean, scripts, I have two scripts in my, in my yeah. script book, and they're both the intros. So um, I'll just take you through it. So Robbie, let's okay. say you're a new internet lead. Mm-hmm. I would call, and I'd say something like this. I'd say, Hey, Robbie, it's Kevin with Hatch Realty. Saw you're on our website looking. Were you just curious or are you thinking about making a move soon? That's it. So uh, if it's a Zillow, uh, realtor.com, yeah. any That's property it. inquiries, it'd be, okay. hey, Robbie, I saw you were looking at 3434 23rd Avenue South and asked a question on Zillow. Were you just curious or what's going on? If it's an ex... Yeah, go ahead. So the... Oh, so the, the funny part about that was I was actually in a Facebook... Um, conversation today um, about this exact topic. And um, somebody was asking, but don't people get mad that you didn't answer their question? Because you just said someone comes through Zillow and it's like, I want to know about 123 Main Street. And oftentimes there's that question associated with it. And what you just said was you were transitioning that to mm-hmm. use it as a means to ask them a question, right? No. Do they ever I mean, get mad about that? So Give us your perspective. Out of all the Zillows I see, maybe 5% actually have questions, right? They're very, very rare, but they actually have a question. Really, it just says, I'm interested in 123 Main Street. So that's why I start the conversation that way. Or, I mean, if there was a question on there, I'll just flat out ask sure. Like, hey, Nate, I saw, you know, you asked, uh, what are the specials on 123 Main, Main, Main Street? Excuse me. Um, you know, were you just curious or the, why were you asking One of question? the things that I learned from you guys at your your lead conversion training was was exactly around this. Mm. I think you, like, got up on a whiteboard because Robbie doesn't like to use whiteboards or anything. Um, and drew a picture of like a house and a person. Yeah. I, d- does this ring a bell? Um, and, and kind of move, talked about moving away from, from your discussion about the house and more about the person. Is that kind of what you're talking about, Jim? Can you talk about that more? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I was talking with my coach, I coach with Robbie and one other person. Um, and I'm five years in this role and I still get, take coaching. And basically, we were ta- having this conversation yesterday. So, I mean, we were talking about what's the difference between talking about the house and talking about the person and the scripts, right? So, basically, when mm-hmm. I was talking with my coach, he was saying that, you know, uh, the Ferry Organization and KW both say you need about 120 conversations per closing. That's the script-based approach and the house-based approach. Well, I ran my numbers yesterday, We and this was for all of my ISAs mm-hmm. across multiple years of experience last year, we needed 38 conversations per closing. So if you're going to talk about the house, 120, if you're going to talk to the person and the actual motivation and things like that, it's 38, which number's better. And I'm a big believer in data and I comes across boastful. I'm not a boastful person. I just know my data. My data is if I talk about the house, I'm going to lose. If I talk about the person and form that connection, I'm going to win. And more often when I do lose, it's because we weren't able to establish that personal connection. I love that. Uh, so in other words, what I just heard you say, Jim, is that 
your approach is three times more effective than the other best people out there um, when you compare numbers to numbers. And that's who we are, right? We always talk about numbers. That's, that's great. Um, so you, you, you get them talking about hypothetically, they say they are looking yeah. to potentially make a move to continue that a little bit further. Um, what happened from there, Jim? What, what's that look like? Because I think people don't really understand, even if they say, hey, I'm looking to move. Are you looking to move? Where does the conversation go from there? You know, if you look at the script stuff, it's like, oh, great. Yeah, that's a very smart oh, decision. Man. A lot of people are moving. We should really do that. How can I help you? And it's like, no, let's just bring things down to the lowest common denominator. Why are you looking to move? Let's have a conversation. Let's not sound descriptive and robotic. Hey, why are you looking to move? And then you'll tell me. Give me a, give me a reason, Robbie. Why are you looking to move? Uh, oh, uh, why are you looking I'm, to get a bigger, I need a bigger house? Jim. I'm looking to get a bigger home. Well, uh, oh, our family's what, what do you mean by that? Families growing bigger. Um, well, we we have uh, um, my mother-in-law's um, moving in with us. Um, my uh, my my father-in-law just passed away, and she's going to be that moving in for right. a while. How are you guys doing with that? Um, I mean, it's it's stressful. <laughs> Uh, all right, we can, we're gonna we can go on forever. So, but I, but I think it illustrates a point that we're not just and you I should say you're not just stopping and moving on to the next thing. You literally just really mm-hmm. just ask me more yeah, questions just, about just what go I deep, deeper. Go deeper on everything. That's be the one thing I'd recommend to anybody is mirror and match mm-hmm. extremely well and just go deeper. If sure. I was gonna give two tips from this, go sure. deeper, mirror and match. I love it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Go deeper, mirror match. What do you do when somebody says that they're not looking to buy, Jim? If they just oh. say, oh, I'm just why curious. Why were you just so curious? Oh, oh, Robbie, why were you looking for fun? What do you do fun? that? And guess what happens six times out of ten usually? Mm. Well, I was curious because I think about making a move. Yeah, I know you are. And that's why I asked. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so even when somebody is uh, comes across as a no, you dig in deeper and you take the same approach. You're just yeah, saying, exactly. well, why so are you here? Here's a great example. Is, this is was, what uh, we brought in a couple of ISAs late 2017. And I get a call one night from one of them and kind of goes through the the, pro- the whole call and tells me what happened. And he says, you know, the guy didn't want to work with an agent. And I just simply asked the question, sure. why didn't he want to work with an agent, Eric? And there's silence for about 10 seconds. He goes, I'm going to go make a phone call. And here's the thing. The guy didn't work, want to work with an agent because he was misinformed. He thought he had to pay for an agent. And so it was a very simple objection to overcome. We just need to know the why. You need to know the whys behind those objections in order to overcome them. Because people often have false objections, right? Uh, it's, mm. No, I, I'm, I'm just looking. Well, why are you just looking? Mm. Well, I'm thinking about buying a house. Well, why are you thinking about buying a house? It's It's very... It's, People overcomplicate this game. This game could be very, very simple. It's not easy, mm-hmm. but it's extremely simple, which is this. Pick up the phone right now, dial some numbers. And that's getting less and less. And that's why we're doing more and more texts is because we're having to have more and more of these conversations via text and via automation. However, you pick up the phone. So can you have these type of conversations call, over text too? Why. Can you mirror and match? How are you looking? What, what does that look and like? Then, 
you can. Yeah, you can. So, I mean, if someone has a long written out structure, I'll try to have a long written out structure to my, my, uh, my replies. If someone's being extremely short, I'll try to be extremely short. Um, it's harder with text often because it's so much easier to just ghost people. Mm-hmm. You know, they can just block the number, things like that. So the game is changing. But yeah, I mean, I'll just ask flat out, like, oh, why were you curious? And about 50% of the time, they ghost me. And about 50% of the time, mm-hmm. they actually reply and say, well, I'm thinking about buying a house or I'm thinking about selling. Oh, tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. And do people respond and, and give you those more in-depth answers, Jim, um, via text? Do they tell you? Because obviously, like in this case, where we role-played within 45 seconds, you got me talking about my hypothetical dead father-in-law. Aren't people saying very sensitive things via text and emotional A little bit. text messages? It's not as that? prevalent with over the phone. And, and over the phone, you can pick up subtle nuances like voices cracking, laugh, laughter, stuff like that. So... Um, that is the hard part I have with text is it's not easy to pick up those subtleties. However, if you have that text conversation long enough and then you want to finalize, sure. I always try to finalize over the phone um, and have that extra buy-in. Because the way I look at it, it and the way our whole process is set up is we want to have extra buy-in at each stage. I'm going to have a talk with you and I'm going to have the buy-in for when you want to mm. talk next. Or I have a talk with you, we schedule an appointment, I have buy-in the sure. next step with a handwritten note, I have buy-in with sending that text introduction, I have buy-in with that agent doing an introduction call, and I want buy-in all along the way because that increases our conversion. Awesome. I love it. So last last question about your conversations. I think you've given some, some brief insight into it. How long are your calls, Jim, traditionally? When you're on the phone with somebody, um, how long are your calls? Are these things, are you asking for an appointment traditionally in three to five minutes? the longest call I ever had. Uh, what does that look like? like an hour and 10 minutes. And that was with a hot AI and that was exhausting. Um, <laughs> you know, I would say our average is, sure. if I actually get something set up, is 12 to 14 minutes. Yeah, and honestly, what I'll do is I'll play the phone game where I'll look at my minutes. phone and I'll see how long it's been. If it's only been six minutes, I try to make that thing to 10. Yeah. So let, let, let's hit on that for a moment because we, we know Eric just posted a question. He said that we should maybe talk briefly about the danger zone. <laughs> and no, we're not talking about a, uh, a reference to pop culture. Jim, so what Riley just asked a question. You know, he said, oh, six to eight minutes is when I schedule my calls. I can do that too. But I know, so the way, what I, the way I describe the danger zone is this. If you set, have a three-minute call and you set an appointment, there's a 30% chance that person's going to come to the office. If you have a four-minute call, it's 40%. If I'm looking at six to eight minutes, sure. I know, hey, there's a 60% chance this person's going to show up and a 40% chance they won't. I want to have a longer conversation because the more mm-hmm. I can have a more in-depth and real conversation with these people, the more they're going to actually relate to me and want to do business with me. And so the danger zone for me is basically, mm-hmm. you know, that three to seven minutes where you could set the appointment. You can feel it in your gut, but you don't want to. You want to actually make sure that, hey, are we answering all their questions? Mm-hmm. Are we actually getting to know these people? And are they telling me stuff that, I mean, Robbie, I've had people tell me about coming home and having the UPS driver in their bed with their wife. Yeah, I've had stuff like that. I've had people break down Ooh. and cry. Um, 
If you're just doing a transaction and you're getting in there, getting an appointment, getting out, you're doing yourself a disservice. I used to do that. And guess what happened? I got pissed because Robbie would have more people show up mm-hmm. and Robbie would have a higher conversion rate. And I got freaking pissed. And I thought, well, what is he doing that I'm not doing? And then I just started watching. And that was the great thing about being side by side mm-hmm. is basically if I can watch you and you can watch me, we can pick up on each mm-hmm. other. And that's why I think we really were successful mm-hmm. is we tested stuff, we broke stuff, and we always tried new things. I, mm-hmm. I don't. Um, I was, I was going to kind of ask like, you know, it. when, um, there's, there's when, so many great questions. Ever, if you, do you, you guys question to ask the appointment, is that a close? I, I feel like you kind of talked about that at the lead conversion, um, seminar, but I can't remember what you guys, what you guys, uh, stance on that is. When you have an appointment. Mm. Yeah, so if they're going to be ready, I would say in the next six months, they don't have an agent and they're actually serious and I can recap everything. Mm -hmm. I've been on the phone with them for eight, nine minutes. By that point, I just do basically the heart effect and go for it. See, you know, is there a benefit to move forward with this? So, mm -hmm. yeah. So you, you, you unpacked a lot there, Jim, and you put a label on it. Uh, Nate, what I, I think you're you're asking is, are you just closing for an appointment, or what does it look like when you're you're aligning yourself for an appointment? Like, give give us some insight there. What the heck does hurt effect mean? Yeah, so I mean, for me, basically, the hurt effect is is talking about, hey, I've helped a lot of other people in your same situation, and this is what we've done for them. Do you think that'd be beneficial for you? Mm. So, if I'm talking to an expired. I'd say something like, mm. you know, Robbie, we've, we've helped a lot of people that have tried to sell their house before and have felt stuck. Had to come in, sit down with one of my agents and come up with a game plan to get this place sold. Mm. Do you think that'd be a benefit to you? Mm-hmm. So let me ask Jim, if you ask that two minutes into no. a conversation with an expired, do you think that would be successful? Two minutes in, they're still in the venting stage. Why not? They're still telling me everything about their previous realtor that sucked. Mm-hmm. Or about the situation, about the whole process, about all the pain <laughs> points they had. So a really good process I took Cody mm-hmm. and Joey through yesterday is people either want to run away from pain or run towards pleasure. And so until I know what mm-hmm. they're either running towards or running from, mm-hmm. it's really and hard for you me try to close, that's pick up on that try and, and really push them towards to the their end goal. And, 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 yeah. Mm. So, yeah, what is their actual pain? So, I mean, for going back to Robbie's example earlier, he needed more space. That's not Robbie's pain. Robbie's pain is he just had a death in the family, and now he's having his mother-in-law move in with him. Uh, I love my mother-in-law. She spoils the heck out of me. Mm-hmm. Living with her would be hell. Um, and it's nothing against her. I think anybody that's having that moved in, yeah. his pain point is his mother-in-law is going to be living with him now. There's going to be pleasure with mm-hmm. that because maybe she can take care of the kids and things like that. But, you know, mm-hmm. if I was two minutes in, I'd say, hey, Robbie, what I've done for mm-hmm. a lot of other people that needed space is have you come in and come up with a game plan. That's not the pain point. That's really a mute point. That's an excuse. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. So there's always more depth is what you're saying behind yep, what exactly. they're saying is the motivation. Okay. 
So Jim, you had said this, because I want to keep this moving. There's literally a billion questions we could ask, and we'll, we'll, we'll do this again sometime, by the way, for sure. Um, but I want to keep things moving. Uh, you said people overcomplicate this game, this lead conversion game. And you said, one, you need to pick up the phone, and then two, you need to ask why. Um, and, and one thing I think that, that I'm hearing is you're not a salesperson. Um, I, I haven't heard you talk about pressuring or, or selling anything. Um, but frankly, my wife's a school counselor, and uh, what she's doing with uh, middle school students sounds a lot like what you're doing with a lot of these leads on the phone. So, Jim, you pick up the phone, you ask why, and, and it sounds yeah, like you're I mean, a my, so my top you agree five with that sometimes? Gallup strengths is focus, futuristic, and then my third one is relator. And yeah. as a relator, I don't want to talk about sure. stupid, petty stuff. I want to talk about the stuff that, quite frankly, I want to talk about your divorce situation. I want to talk about your dreams in life. I want to talk about like big mm. ticket stuff. Talking about the weather. Oh my God, I'm going to fall asleep. Like I want to talk about stuff that's actually meaningful. And so when I can have those conversations, that's actually the part I actually like best and the part that actually refreshes me and reinvigorates me to pick up the phone. Because if mm. I sit there, I've had these conversations. Mm. I mean, cry many. I've had. 18,000 conversations. I could tell where a conversation is going to go almost from the first second. It's boring to me, right? However, when I actually find someone that actually is going through something that's really impactful and really painful and I can help them, ooh, that just makes, that fires me up. That makes me want to get after it. I'm actually almost tearing up a little bit about it because I'm an emotional guy. But like, that's that's the reason I come in and keep doing this. Hmm. I love that. No, there's there's a lot there, so so let's let's move on here because uh, I think that's a, a great foundation for who you are, Jim, what your heart is, and, and what your conversations sound like. Let's talk about the ISA role in, in a little more abstract terms, um, and, and I'm just going to kind of shoot some questions here. Um, and you just kind of answered one. I, I was going to ask you what's the best thing about being an ISA, and feel free to use the answer you just said because you said that's one of the things that gives you life, but what would you say is the best thing about you being an ISA yeah, uh, perhaps Realty in Fargo? I think the big thing is impact. You know, I mean, I love watching people that are new to real estate and mm. haven't ever really experienced success skyrocket and change their life's trajectory. Because that's what this place has done for me. That's what this role has done for me. That's why I call it my freedom day, is this place has changed the trajectory of my life and this role has. And so when Mm -hmm. I can see a new agent come in that puts in their time as a showing partner Mm -hmm. or a listing partner and then get those first couple of appointments and really see like, holy crap, I could make a lot of money and I could change my life. And they have that Mm -hmm. thankfulness and they have that difference in their life. That's what I love as well. the, the word I always use is impact. This play, I impact my community, impact here, and I impact my employees and my coworkers' lives here. And so that's what I love about it. Cool. That's a great answer. So on the inverse side, Jim, what's the crappiest thing? Yeah, you talk thing to some crazy, crazy people. <laughs> uh, yeah, you talk to crazy people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say also, I think out of the last five years, I've taken a lot of vacations. It's also really, really hard to check out from this role unless Mm. your phone is turned off. Um, That's why I love Mm. going north. Um, If I'm in Mm. New York or Disneyland or California or anywhere else, uh, my phone still rings. 
And so I could turn off notifications and things like that. But every call I ignore is possibly $500 to $1,000 or more dollars out of my pocket. So I, I kind of cringe every time I do that. Even though I believe in my team and I, I love sending them leads and I love sending the other sure. guys here and helping them out and having that backup. Uh, I always feel a little bit, not guilty, but hesitant to ignore things. Mm. Awesome. So toughest piece is uh, it is almost impossible yeah. to check out <laughs> is what I'm hearing. And so I'm sure you've been called the plethora oh, of oh, yeah. I think interesting There's names. a name out there. I've probably <laughs> been called it at some point. The funny thing is, is I mean, so Robbie, you know, we've done, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I said, 18,000 conversations. Out of those 18, I can really only remember two mm-hmm. that were actually really bad. And one was just like really crazy because sure. he was literally mentally unstable. He had gotten arrested <laughs> uh, for uh, using a girl for ex-girlfriend's purse to defecate in. And so like that one was easy to write off because it was like, this guy's literally mentally ha- like not handicapped, like disturbed. And so that one was like, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Cause maybe he forgot his meds that day. He was crazy. And the other one I remember is lady just completely reamed me out. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was Mark's Mark's guy actually. And, uh, uh, the other one, she completely read me out for like five minutes and I just took it and she called me back 10 minutes later and her husband had been like, no, we need to talk with him. So, I mean, yeah, you make it the occasional F off, but other than that, I, I really don't care unless they're doing like a personal <laughs> attack. I don't care. They may just be having a bad day, you know? Yep. No. Nope. Sure. We, uh, I think I want to add that uh, defecating hey. is something I didn't think keep it real, on right? today's uh, podcast episode. Thanks for, yeah, <laughs> uh, I love that. So Jim, let's keep going here. Um, what does an average day look like for, for you as an ISA? Um, and just so you all know, Jim isn't just an ISA in production, although he's heavily in production. He also leads um, four other ISAs that we have in the department. Um, and I, I maybe we could separate it out, Jim, of the production side of yes. Jim and the leadership side of, of Jim. Yeah, let's talk about um, so the production side first. So I'll talk about when I was straight production, right? Um, normally what I would do, is I'd get up about 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. First thing I'd do is I'd hop over, upload expireds into the, sure. the system that we use to look up those phone numbers. Um, I'd want to be in the office by 7.30, 7.45 because mm-hmm. I was competing against Robbie and he would be there early and making dials. Um, and so I'd want to get there early. Um, I would take new dials, like new leads overnight and expireds first thing in the morning. And then we'd hop on lists um, till about 1045. Um, by 1045, mm-hmm. if I was heavy in production, I wanted to have 300 calls done, maybe more. Um, go to lunch right after huddle, mm-hmm. from usually 11 to 12. And then the rest of the day, I'd, you know, if incoming calls were coming, I'd take them. Um, but the rest of the time I was doing follow-ups and then going through lists again until about mm-hmm. five. And then at five o'clock, I'd usually head home. You know, there was a lot of nights where I stayed till seven just because my wife works late too as a teacher. And so if she was going to work late, I'll just stay at the office and work late. Um, but basically from five to nine and on weekends, I would how many uh, How many leads are you managing stuff and new leads. in your pipeline at um, But at I really wouldn't call through lists all that often. I'd occasionally do it on basis. Saturdays if I needed to up my numbers, things like that. Sure. 
<laughs> so, you know, when I was full full production, 100%, I have about 1,200 at any one time of 1,200 follow-ups. And there's, you know, 18,000 in our system. So I had 1,200 of my own personal follow-ups um, managing at any one time, usually checking in to make sure agents are checking in with their clients. So I'd check on 80 to 100 contracted clients, just making sure, okay, hey, how long ago was it this person was So contacted? those can come from a variety um, of sources. You're doing some follow-up on, that on people you've passed off to, to your agents. You're doing some people. new lead generation even and some just longer-term follow-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's why uh, when Robbie and I first started, uh, we just called everything. And we didn't segment things at all. And so that would be the one other tip I would give people is you got to segment your database. Um, and you have to automate your follow-up to your database as well. Um, the only reason I was able to do 1,200 is because I had most things automated. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'll even add to that. We And Jim, you, you mentioned this, that we always talk about um, efficiency and effectiveness in our world. And one of the biggest things we've learned is with anyone that we've spoken to, so the 1,200 people that were follow-ups, Jim, can you kind of explain who those people yeah, are? Yeah, so like, those are people, people that weren't ready follow -up the first time I talked is. to them or the second or, or you know, the 20th. They weren't ready right now. So people that uh, we classify as an A are basically people that are going to be moving and ready to go in the next three months. Bs are three to six. C's are six to 12 and sure. D's to me is anyone over 12 months or can't get pre-approved or can't sell their house because they're underwater, things like that. Um, and, you know, as we talked about earlier, sure. if people say they're not ready right now, we ask why they're not ready right now. We go into that. Let's keep remembering the why questions. And so maybe they've given me a really legitimate reason why it is next year. And sure. so we'll talk about that. Mm. So these are those 1,200 people are people you're following up with. Are you efficient with those, or do you do things maybe more at this cost of efficient? But uh, with my follow-ups, uh, I am being very more effective. about effective than efficiency. Follow-ups take a lot more time because a lot okay. of times it's single-line okay. dials, uh, followed by a, a voicemail mm -hmm. and a text message, sometimes an email sure. as well. Um, and so, you know, if you have 20 A follow-ups, that's sure. going to probably take you an hour, if not two, compared to an hour or two, one to two hours on a dialer, you're going to sure. go through 300 people. Um, and so, I mean, I'm, I'm always looking and I always mm. look at what is my best dollar per hour use of my time. And my best dollar per hour use of my time is my new mm -hmm. and my follow-ups. Sure. So with follow-ups, you're being very, very effective. And with uncontacted leads, people that we maybe haven't got a hold of, what you're doing is you're focusing yeah. probably more on efficiency yep. as opposed to effectiveness. Fair to say, mass dials, uh, mass text yep, to exactly. generate responses, yep. it's, stuff it's, like that. The way I look at it is, you know. Cool. If I have 20 minutes to do lead gen that day, and there's a lot of days as an ISA manager, I, I have very limited time. I need to make sure that that time is as effective sure. as five to six hours of lead generation time. Mm -hmm. Just because I'm in this role doesn't mean I can't sure. make the same amount of money oh. or more money. And so, you know, last year, 
mm-hmm. my number went down for the first time ever. And that pissed me off. And a lot of times it was because I was doing more mm-hmm. mass attempts rather rather than doing effective attempts. Sure. Mm, I love it. So um, that gives us some good insight into your average day in production. And maybe for just for the sake of time, um, I would like to know, Jimmy, if from your perspective, what does an ISA need to do day in and day out to be a successful ISA? What do they need to be doing? What are some key points you'd, you'd give? Advice to a new ISA or a seasoned ISA? And say these are the must-do. I would say that the number one successful. thing that has made me successful is I am not afraid to screw up. Uh, there has been days where I have mm. accidentally mass texted everyone in our database. There's been days where I sent out uh, voice blasts to all of our database and you know made the agents a little upset. Um, you have to constantly try new things, but at the end of the day, I mean, like I go back to pick up the phone and make attempts. Mm. It's really that easy. If you want to talk to mm. 20 people a day, you're going to have to at least mm. do right now with phone calls, probably 400 dials. If you're going to do text, you're going to need to talk to mm. it's about a 15 to 20% response rate. So would you rather do a hundred texts or 400 dials? Find out mm. where you're, where you're good at and do that and work on, mm improving the ones that you're not good at the skills you're not good with uh until eric came on and cody came on my text game was not as strong as it is now because they were much better at it and i saw their success and i was like hey uh, Mm. i've been doing this for four years and this guy next to me is talking to a ton of people via text that's kind of weird i should maybe try that and then i was like huh i'm talking to a lot of people now via text there might be something to this Uh, absolutely. So uh, failure uh, is a key here um, to being a successful ISA. Um, on that note, Jim, um, it sounds like you're, I, I would truly say you're the most successful ISA known um, that has had success for many years. But I got to ask, oh, how day. often do you lose? I mean, I lose multiple times per day. I mean, if you're, so tell me the thing I've that. always said, if you want to win a lot in this business, you're going to have to lose 10 times as much. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I might get 10 to 15, mm-hmm. sometimes 20% of the people I talk to today, I might set appointments with. Well, that means I'm probably not setting appointments with 30% of people mm-hmm. and the other 50% of people are probably follow-ups. So I lose all the time. I lost this morning. Uh, I was chasing one of my listing agent spheres and she was chasing her and both of us lost because we got undercut on commission. Now, we could not reply to that message or we could say, hey, um, sure. totally understand. If, if your plans change, let us know and then watch that listing like a hawk. And when it does expire, have a very fun conversation. But, I mean, you're going to lose all the time with this role. And what you have to remember is, like, I, I look at it as, as the harder I work, the luckier I get. And I think it was Benjamin Franklin who said that. It's attributed to him. I doubt he said that, but it's attributed to him. Um, mm. Uh, but it's true. I mean, that day I sent out 1,900 text messages. That day sucked. I talked to f- almost 400 people that day, and I heard no hundreds of times. But I didn't care because I knew if I did the work, all the appointments would come. 
And so that week, mm. I mean, well, the way I look at it is, is you have to pay quote on, you know, the way I look at it is you have to pay the lead generation gods, their dues and their dues are calls and dials. And they reward you with come list me's and phone calls to the office. Oh man, I am, uh, I'm going to lose it over here. I've never heard of the, uh, lead generation gods, but I feel like, yeah, you get I mean, a if you want to pay him, you got to pick worship. up the phone and hear a lot of no's and, it's, it's funny. Every time I've done that, sure. the next day, every time I've had like 800, 1200 attempts, yeah. two, 3000 text messages sent out and got no appointments. The next day I've gotten like six. Sure. <laughs> I love that. So w- one thing that, that I want to, I want to really touch on a lot of people, as you may see, Jim are asking, mm-hmm. um, what do you do to make sure you don't burn out? Um, essentially is what I'm reading it. And the reality is you said this rule is something that it's really tough to check out. And that's always been, you know, what we talk about. Um, we've seen our ISAs, you guys are working 50, 60 hours per week. And your role is a lifestyle. It's not a job. But what do you do to make sure that Jim doesn't burn out and just say, screw this, I'm done, I can't do this anymore? Um, what do you do to, yeah, to it's funny check I've, out? I've Give us some struggled there. probably more with that the last year than I ever have. Um, here's the funny thing. I've taken more vacations the last sure. year than I ever have either. And so in order for me to kind of not burn out, I always focus on what's the next thing. So for instance, I just got back from New York and uh, mm. spent a lot of money on that trip. So it's like, now we got to pay for New York. So I always think of things in terms of transactions, which is like, okay, I want to go <laughs> down to Mexico and uh, go to White Tiger, Black Jaguar for a week and uh, hang out with some tigers. How much does that cost? Okay, it costs about $14,000 for Ainsley and I. Okay, that's about uh, 28 closings. What do I need mm-hmm. to do in order to get 28 extra closings? Well, hey, that means I need to talk to 38 people per closing. Mm-hmm. Now I can break that down and have a fun little game. So I try to mm-hmm. gamify my life. I, 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 I look in, I see, okay, what do I want? Sure. And literally now there's, there's nothing that I can't have. Sure. And that's what motivates me because I'm a 99 financial on, mm. on the monetary scale. I love money. And so the way I look <laughs> at it is what do I enjoy? What can I be pushing towards? I think maybe because there's going to be days that suck. One of my but questions I know where is, I'm going, it, at least for, for those, for keep, those of you yeah, listening, that. Um, I, I think Eric Hatch posted like one of the keys For to your sure. success is having that's, multiple uh, ISAs. Great, Jim. Uh, you're, Nate, you're the leader. Do you have any other questions you want to ask? That? Um, I don't know if we really touched on your leadership too much. Does it is that an aspect of your your role that excites you more and potentially keeps you less burned out, or the opposite? Hmm. Uh, for me, it's the opposite. My, uh, mm-hmm. Myers-Briggs is what's called an advocate. Um, if I was going to be completely and totally joyful, it is not managing other people. That being said, mm-hmm. I want to have impact and I love helping others, mm-hmm. but the managing others can be, it's not fun for me. It's just not. 
Um, and so mm. for me, I'd say leadership mm. can be fun. I, I because, think one thing, like I said one earlier, I focus on futuristic, so it's I, cool I for me to plan future things. Different about the hatch model uh, the management of people. Your ISAs don't graduate to agents. And I don't know if you've covered that. We've covered it much more than uh, sitting and grinding webinars quite goals. a bit, but it, that's that's another really important piece I think to add here. Mm-hmm. Sure. Good point. Yeah. And so I, I want to address two things. Uh, one, Riley had said, hey, 50 to 60 hours a week is a ton. Um, it is a ton, but that's only if you have one ISA or two ISAs and you have all the leads going to them. Secondly, yeah, there's weeks where I work 50 to 60 hours a week. Mm-hmm. I was gone for nine weeks last year. There's nine weeks where I was not working. <laughs> And I still hit 150 transactions. Yeah. It's because being effective when I'm there, mm-hmm. there are a lot of days where I'm here 10 hours. There's a heck mm-hmm. of a lot of days where I'm not here at all. Mm-hmm. And let's hit on that, Jim, because um, I almost like to talk about how your first year mm-hmm. of being an ISA is so much yep. different than any years beyond that. And do you mind giving us some perspective of the first year compared yeah, let's, to let's years two, three, so four full um, in your shoes? Right, because I started July 2014. I think in 2015 I did 86,000 dials and about 40,000 mass attempts, if I remember the numbers right. Because I think I, mm. I think those numbers I went over last time mm. with the mass attempts was just from 2016 on. So I did roughly uh-huh. 120,000 attempts in that first year sure. for 121 closings. Mm-hmm. Last year, I did 20,000 mm-hmm. dials and 20,000 mass attempts for 150 mm-hmm. closings. So the way I always kind of talk to people is if you can put in the work Mm -hmm. the first two years, you're going to set yourself up for a great third, fourth, fifth year for way less work because you're building your pipeline. And now those conversations are fun. You're not talking to a ton of new leads. I let my ISAs grind on the new leads because they need to build their pipelines. I want to take my follow-ups and the new ones and basically... Mm -hmm. I don't need to build my pipeline as much because it's already built. In other words, your first year, especially is you're building that pipeline. And then from that point forward, it's all about maintaining the pipeline and maintenance takes nowhere near the amount of work as building. And if you just look at the math, right? If if you started making calls as a new, new ISA today, you're not going to see a closing. I mean, your first closings for three, four months. So you're not getting any good, checks. Good kind any of uh, insight new numbers too and, and how to scale up the ISAs. The reality is, is that your first year, you will work harder than ever and make less. And yep. that's why we always talk about how this is a long-term play. So that's a very good point, Jim. Awesome. Nate, anything else you want to ask there? I love it. 
So last thing we should hit on, Jim, uh, obviously you've been instrumental in us helping find our next ISA, so next news. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least touch base on when we're looking to hire an ISA, what do we look to hire? So with the last few minutes here, Jim, um, when we're looking to hire an ISA, what's maybe the biggest mistake people make? I think the biggest mistake people make is just bringing on anyone. Um, This is the hardest role to fill. This has been a, we have done so many interviews on this mm. role and gotten so close so many times and it's so freaking painful. Uh, I would say the biggest mistakes is we, we did not ask one question and the question was this, you know, what are your goals in life mm. and how, and so they'll tell me their goals and then I'll just simply ask mm. right after that, what have you done to accomplish that? Um, Robbie has a question Mm. in his interviews that he could talk about as well that he likes. Um, what I want to do is I don't want to actually hire anyone Mm. ever again from our career night for ISA. I simply don't. I want to have people that are actually going to seek us out and be (laughs) referrals. Um, because it's extremely hard to find motivated people that'll pick Mm. up the phone and get kicked in the face time and time Mm. and time again that don't have goals and can't tell me what they've done on their goals. If I ask, you know, Eric or Cody what they've done on their goals when we were having that conversation, they could list five things on the stuff that they're working at in their life. Um, the interviews I've had that have ended right then is that, yeah. you know, one guy said, oh, I want to be able to take my friends out and be that friend. And I said, oh, can't you do that now? And there was just silence. And then I was like, okay, we, we're done here. <laughs> and so... And then the other the other yeah. thing that I love is I like to ask people if they hate to lose or love to win. Because I am very much a hate to lose person. It pisses me mm. off. And every time I do, it fires me up. Yeah. Now, you can love to win. And I think that's good. Winning is good. Yeah. But if you hate to lose and I see Robbie has more numbers than me, mm-hmm. guess what that's going to do? I'm going to be motivated to beat him. <laughs> and it's no animosity. It's not animosity. Robbie's my brother. But I will crush him. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Jim, you are, are filled with a ton of insight and knowledge, my man. This has been uh, fabulous. Um, the reality is, is this is, and one more thing we should talk about is mm-hmm. this ISA role is, is a lifestyle, right? We, we've talked about it. You're working 50, 60 hours per week. Um, it's tough to unplug. Um, one last thing I think we should definitely bring up is that you get almost no social interaction, yep. face-to-face interaction with people. Is that fair to say, Jim? And, and you're, you're calling these leads and you're having intimate conversations, but it's taking place over the phone and, and via text messages and emails. And the reality is if you love face-to-face interaction, one of the things we found is if somebody loves that, um, that's not going to be fulfilling in this role. And we've had some great people come in. Yep come into the role and burn out almost immediately. So uh, that's, I think, another piece. Um, I got I to gotta end on one thing, right? Where you and I, um, we're the leads geeks along with our ISA brethren and, and all these others. Um, so I think we got to yeah. end on one nerdy question, if you don't mind. Um, and this, Star Wars or Game of Thrones? All right, it's going to be Game of Thrones. Why, compelling Here's argument. why. Game of Thrones has literally <laughs> caused me to stand up and swear and throw my TV remote at 
the wall and break it. Well, Star Wars is, I mean, it's a decent storyline, right? They got cool stuff blowing up and lasers. But Battle of the Bastards, that episode, I got up. I was fired up. I was like, oh, no, you better not die again. This is BS. I was pissed. You're never going to have that emotional response with Star Wars. It's like, oh, yeah, Luke cut off his hand. Big deal. You know, but I mean, like, Jon Snow died. Oh, my God. That was, it's, yeah. So I'm going to say, you know, Game of Thrones. Got it coming up in uh, 13 days, I think. Okay. I'm not counting down or anything. I'm pretty excited. So yeah, it's probably the most animated you've seen me for a while, Rob. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to all of you, about a hundred some listeners, that if you haven't seen the show, Jim just ruined it for you. Yeah, it's six uh, years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seven years. Watch it, so. We're gonna have to put that in here. Yeah, I never Absolutely. thought. Absolutely. Jim, we yeah. appreciate you uh, dearly. Uh, um, put in there, uh, for everyone who was on uh, this, um, alerts this will be recorded and sent out Jim, shortly. Jim, for real, brother, um, uh, love you dearly. As an added um, bonus, we have two for, kind of bonuses for you now. This We've and, done uh, previous uh, this was really um, and, uh, podcast you bring episode so much passion to with the world. And Jim you are and Cody a trendsetter, my friend. So, so thank you for um, taking your time to do this. We, we love I would highly recommend that. You get kind of insights and flavors from all three ISAs with Hatch. Um, definitely subscribe to the ISA radio. I think it's like the fifth podcast episode or something. That's a great one. Um, second bonus is Ooh. Izzy with uh, Structurally has some fantastic giveaways um, on behalf of Structurally. So this is something we kind of like to do on, on most of our webinars. Um, thank you for listening. Um, as if the insights from Jim wasn't enough, Izzy is here with some free leads and one of these awesome headsets. I don't think it's as good as Jim's, but it's pretty good. It's a good one. Um, so we have a lot of giveaways, more than normal this time. So this is a good webinar to have registered for. Uh, so we have four uh, people winning three leads. So we will engage in long-term nurture. Our uh, ISA, ASA Homes, our official <laughs> will long-term nurture 50 leads for you. So four winners <laughs> are going to get that, and then one winner is going to get a headset. So we'll start off uh, with the four winners for the 50 free leads, and then uh, lastly will be the headset. So... Our first winner, 50 free leads, is Sheena Croce. Um, if you're on here, uh, C-R-O-C-E. C-R-O-C-E. C-E. Yeah. Well, this one. Okay. Oh. <laughs> You'll get an email from us <laughs> and um, with all the information on how that's going to work. But congratulations to our first winner. Um Sheena, did I pronounce your last name right? I see that you're on. We're <laughs> talking pronunciation of names. Uh, okay, second winner of the 50 free leads mm. is Danica Holm, H-O-L-M. Kind of like this, but not. Nice. <laughs> oh, shoot. Sorry, Sheena. Uh, okay, so our third winner of oh. 50 free leads is Aaron McCormick. <laughs> okay. Well, I see K. Boom. All right. Awesome. Our fourth winner of 53 leads 
is uh, <laughs> Ron Cadio. That one's a hard Ron one. K. Ron C. <laughs> multiple Ron C's on here. <laughs> uh, then the winner of the headset is Juan Carlos Parascuel. <laughs> E-A-R-R-A-S-Q-U-E-L. I'm just... Wrong <laughs> day. <laughs> all right. Well, wrong thank C. you to everyone who registered, and congratulations to all our five C. winners. You will all be getting emails from us. Sorry, guys. Um, after this on how to claim your prizes. Yeah, we appreciate it. Well, Robbie? Dang it. I didn't win. <laughs> cool, cool. Awesome. I, I want to time. Awesome. Time yeah, one more thing. Uh, if you already have so subscribed to the ISA radio, you can actually um, register going to be there for future podcasts. So um, the next one on April 10th team. with April Martin. Um, and um, one of the most rock go ahead and get scheduled for that. Register for that and now so you don't miss it. One. And give it away yet. Um, again, this one will be sent to you within a couple hours here. Next one should be in a couple weeks. And included in the ISA radio. Um, and I also want to just mention uh, the Leeds Geeks. Most of you are in the Leeds Geeks Facebook group. Um, but if you're not, check it out. You're going to get a lot of more in-depth information, valuable uh, lessons from from Jim sure. and all the ISAs at Hatch. Um, awesome role play stuff. I've even watched a lot of those. They're hilarious. They're absolutely hilarious. You have to watch them. <laughs> All right, yeah. guys. Thank you all. Thanks, guys. Appreciate, Appreciate you all. Thanks again, Jimmy. Thanks, man.